Welcome to Six Pack Discussions, where Cody and Jared take on the biggest, most talked about headlines with logic, passion, and a six pack of beer. If you're listening, we challenge you to take an unbiased view of the world, because we know these conversations are complicated. So sit down, crack a beer, and welcome a new perspective. Okay, Six Pack Discussions here coming in from Cody and Jared. Jared, what are we talking about today, and what beer are we drinking? Uh, today we're going to be talking about farm subsidies, and uh, let's see, the beer is Cali Squeeze, the Blood Orange Hefeweizen. Huh. Picked by me today. Yeah, um, I saw this, one. and I was just, I, honestly, the can kind of <laughs> shouted out at me. So I was like, you know, we haven't had a Hefeweizen probably in a while, and the last couple of beers have been all IPA, so I was like, let's switch it up today. So uh, you've Respect already had a couple sips, I'm going to have my first sip, uh, and then we'll talk about it in about 20 minutes. Yeah, man, so, uh, so farm subsidies. In short, I feel like you know a synopsis of, of the subject really is the government saying, hey, Farmer Cody, I'm going to pay you regardless of what the market is. I'm going to pay you you know, the extra $3 that it takes for you to produce it here in America. I'm going to go ahead and subsidize you there. While in Brazil, they're making it at $4, you're making it at 7 Now we're going to make it even. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, you know, the only thing that is a slight outlier to kind of what I think most people think are like direct payments or farm insurance and things like that, which you kind of just outlined, is I didn't realize this, and we just covered this, which is hilarious, is food programs Yeah, is considered a farm subsidy. Yeah. Because all really a subsidy is is anytime you are giving tax dollar money and funneling it into a specific group and food money is, uh, you know, if I, if I give you, Jared, you say you're on food stamps, and I give you money that needs to be purchased for food, you're mm. going to go spend that on food, which is turn is essentially kind of inflating the prices of uh, yeah, the food it's, program. It's, it's, it's like a secondary effect almost. It's, 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 it's adjusting the equilibrium, <clears throat> right? Yeah. Because you're, you're artificially inflating the demand uh-huh. via your, your money. 100%. So yeah, we, what is it, man? 20, I think it was $20 billion uh, spending farm subsidies? Uh, for the U.S., yeah, four hundred and seventy billion in the U.S. Or sorry, sorry, in the world. I was gonna say, uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> dude. You know what's actually really crazy? I, I don't know if you came across this in your research, but uh, one of the interesting issues that has arisen from this is, uh, I guess, I don't remember. I'm drawing a blank on the on the year, but Brazil was getting pretty pissed. You yes. know, there in South America, cotton, and yeah, and they went to the World Trade Organization, like, hey. What the hell? So now the U.S. is subsidizing our cotton growers, and they're subsidizing Brazilian cotton growers. Yeah, the U.S. taxpayers couldn't freaking believe it. Pay Brazilian farmers, yeah, to to make cotton and then sell it at uh, a lower than market rate because they were like, guys, we produce cotton at a lower rate than U.S. farmers. Why is this allowed? Which is crazy because I guess Africa, West Africa, yep. or, or yep. West Africa, yeah, they're also a big producer, but they don't get this. Well, and that's kind of the bitch of it, is yeah. because just because Brazil has the either monetary or the government backing support to actually take it up with the World Trade Organization, a big country, yeah, is that really fair? We're going to talk about yeah. you know our, our farm subsidies fair, but um, maybe a little bit more background on it uh, in the U.S. Um, when most when you think of most farm subsidies, it's really a main I think around like eight products. Five core products and I think three alternative ones, which I had to actually look up what those were. I didn't know what these were, but um, the main ones everybody knows. Corn, uh, you got corn, wheat, right? Cotton, uh, wheat, yep. Yep, cotton, milk, rice, peanuts, sugar, tobacco, oil seeds. 
weird one, right? Ooh, I didn't come across oil, oil seeds. Um, the ones that I was going to say, I don't know if I wrote them down here. Did I? Balance of supply. You know, I don't have any of the other ones that, there was some, there was like a couple of odd ones and I'm like, what are these products? Um, one of them was actually like an animal that it, its hair produces like yarn. It looked like a llama almost. So they actually like that like a sheep, right? No, no, it wasn't a sheep. It was like an in between, a sheep oh. and a llama. Okay. And you looked at it; it kind of looked like shaggy hair. It was very odd looking. Weird. Um, but anyways, so those are the main products. Everything most people know that. Um, so, so speaking of, I think that's fair as far as most people. But actually, I want to take just one step back, and I really just want to kind of, um, you know, ensure that the entire landscape is accurately depicted here. And really where these subsidies or price controls, you know, either ceilings, floors, et cetera, whenever you mess with a, a perfect market equilibrium, yep. this is where you have excess supply, excess demand, et cetera, and that's really not being need. So uh, perfect equilibrium is essentially, guys, just think of an X and Y axis, and it's essentially the intersection point to where just, uh, the, the price equals the demand or the supply equals the demand, and that dictates the price. At that given point is the equilibrium point. So yep. in a perfect market without any government interference, subsidies, that is the exact point that it's actually going to be beneficial for all. I produce five cartons of milk. Jared is my is the only population yep. in this house right now. Yep. And he says, I need to buy five cartons of milk. We both agree that they're a dollar each. Five dollars, or sorry, one dollar is the equi mm -hmm. equilibrium price. The supply is five. And yep. the demand is five. Yep. So if Cody were to raise his price by a dollar, let's say it's you know, what $2 now, yep. I can only purchase, you know, two, two and a half milks. Bingo. Now. And the supply. So now, there's an excess of supply. Exactly. And that's exactly what happens whenever we have subsidies. Now, if the government, you know, puts a, a dollar and a half subsidy on you, now you're good, or two and a half dollars or whatever it is. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Public math is always fun. No. That, you know, kind of, kind of makes you whole. Well, yeah. But there's still an excess of supply. Bingo. And that's why whenever you talk about subsidies, there's usually the conversation of waste. Yeah. Because. Overage, yeah. Yeah. And so whenever I incentivize farmers to produce things and they can sell it at market, they're always going to make money. Because in some some cases, uh, farmers don't make money because no one wants to buy their goods. Well, you know, it's actually really funny, man. And, and I don't know. And, and maybe maybe I'm just naive, ignorant, et cetera. Um, but I, I feel like... I feel like people, whenever you think of farmers, you think of that iconic picture to where it's kind of the bald man with the pitchfork and his like kind of his, his overalls. Uh, yeah, and and his uh, his wife next to him, kind These of like guys are technologically advanced nowadays. Well, 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 uh, not as much as they could be. We'll oh. get into that a little bit. Okay. You know what I mean? And what I'm saying is just subsidies as a whole um, discourage innovation. So, oh yes. So, but what I mean by that is is the is the common perception whenever you think of farmers is like you know the, the poor mom pa shops, right? Yes. The average farmer makes thirty five percent more than the average American family. Yeah. So, so th these are not you know people that need our help year in and year out because they have to worry about things like natural disasters and weather and um, you know disease, et cetera. I mean, they're no different than any other small or medium sized business as far as the the price fluctuations, market demands, et cetera. Well, actually, these were this is new news to me because everyone always talks about factory farming, huge farms, and things like that. There are 2.1 million U.S. farms. Yep. Okay. 97% of them, the vast majority, are family-owned. Did not know that. I thought it was going to be like 10% were family-owned, and the rest of them were some big companies. That's very interesting to me. Now, how many of those farms do you think um, are considered large farms, which have an income of over $1 million in revenue? 90%. 
Uh-uh, I got 3%. So 90%, I'm sorry, the top 10%, uh, maybe, maybe I misunderstood the question. In my research, I believe I came across like 10% of the farms take 90% of the subsidy, I guess. That's where I was going to. So oh, yeah. wrong answer to your question. I apologize. That's no, no, that is, that I, is, I thought you were going somewhere else. No, so I apologize. No, that's totally different. That's actually a good stat. You should share that because that's interesting how subsidies are kind of taken by the, the top tier exactly. people. Um, and they're the ones that produce almost all of the factory grains and yeah. factory corns. But what I was trying to say is, is that, guys, most farmers are not millionaires, are not billionaires, are not the, the tier 1%. They're mom and pops, to Jared's point. They're making less than a million dollars in revenue. That means that they're selling all their goods combined, all of the grain for the entire year production. Let's say it's a half a million dollars, $500,000 of goods. They're selling it for maybe $460,000. dollars mm-hmm. Well, that means that they only have, what, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in profit that they're actually taking home to afford their lifestyles. To your point, you said that 35%. they're- 35%. Bingo. They're, they're not um, cash cow jobs. So they're not cash cows, but they're also not this impoverished nation that we make them out to be. That was the point I was trying to drive home. It's a home. good middle class job. Yeah, they are not, you know, the Jeff Bezos of the world, no. but they're also not, you know, poverty little, little, little poor Timmy. Mm-mm. Which, all, that, that's all new news to me. Um, and I'm sure there's some outliers, oh, yeah, of, course, yeah, of course, but it seems like the vast majority are doing pretty good, mm-hmm. um, which is nice. Now, how much of that I wonder is about subsidies and we're mm, going to get into that. Yep, yep. To your point, who's taking the subsidies? Yeah. The farmers? It's, it's literally the top 10%. So take up 90% of the subsidies. Top 10% of, of uh, the farms. income? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the largest farms, the top 10% largest firms mm. make up 90% of the subsidies. It's interesting. So I mean, it's, it's freaking nuts. It's the big ones. But, but it, what just sucks about these subsidies, man, is it's, the farmers are indifferent of what the market is is yearning for. They could care less. Whoa, you're getting a little opinionated too early here. No, no, no that's that's fact. Okay, that's true. Whenever you're guaranteed income, why hey, would they, Cody? I don't care if I need a hundred milks or whatever, but you're going to continue producing eight hundred yeah. because hey, you get an extra dollar fifty per milk, so your break even is already met. Yeah, and then whatever yeah. I build, whatever I buy is just kind of gravy on top. It so is. it's indifferent of the, what your market is responding to. Yeah, no. So that is not right. an opinion. Just, be, just because, just because my passion is is coming off as opinion, that's still irrefutable. That's a fact. Totally true. Um, we you know who we didn't mention is where do these all kind of start from? Uh, in the U.S., we, it starts from uh, one of our presidents. That's probably pretty popular. Nixon. Name. No, I thought it was Nixon. Franklin D. Roosevelt. Oh, I thought it was Nixon. He signed the Agricultural Agricultural Adjustment Act. Good name there, huh? It sounds kind of like, hey, we're just kind of making a little adjustments here. Um, and that created the Agri- uh, Agricultural Adjustment Administration, the AAAA, and the uh, resulted in some public work programs. Was it Nixon that started introducing uh, price controls then? Yes. Okay, that's yes. where I'm getting confused. Okay, thank you for the correction. Yeah. There. Um, think of this as one of the many <coughs> acts within the New Deal uh, during kind of that uh, Depression era. Group. Mm-hmm. And so his, his idea was, hey, we need to make sure that we have enough food for Americans. We don't want people starving in the streets. So we're going to incentivize farmers to just go ahead and go for it produce a lot more than you can. Um, now, here's kind of the weird thing. Uh, did you come across this? Maybe you can help me out understand it. I think in some states, or maybe it's just some, in some um, specific crops, the government will actually provide you a subsidy. And maybe we don't do it anymore. I think we stopped it maybe in the 90s. But they'll provide you a subsidy for how much land you had, and they would actually almost pay you to... Not to. Not to... Isn't that weird? And grow stuff on certain parts I, of the I land. didn't understand the why behind that, though. I couldn't, I couldn't get it. 
Yeah, they it's like, hey, I'm gonna pay you X. Don't plant anything. Yeah, well, you, you don't get the wire. Maybe it's just hmm. to so you have soil preservation. I don't know. Oh, you know what? There was something about that yeah, too. Yeah, I, I couldn't come across anything. I just thought it was soil preservation. It, you know, it was something about that because I remember the Dust Bowl having an impact, and they made some changes to how the subsidies worked. And so what they would do is they said, "Hey guys, we don't want to have another Dust Bowl situation where we don't have very fertile soil." So you guys are getting really good at producing more stuff with less ground. Mm-hmm. So can you do more of that? <coughs> so it probably did incentivize the industrialization age of factory farming, less, I guess, more growth on less land. Yep. And then so before we get into our second beer here and, and really the opinions start getting introduced, um, I, I do want to kind of clarify from a factual standpoint as far as, you know, why I made the comment earlier as far as um, – they're probably not as technologically advanced as they could be. Oh, yeah. And the reason why I said that is just, you know, sheer basic economics. Whenever, you know, everyone's making a widget, you know, the, the, the opportunity introduces itself, hey, maybe I can make it cheaper. Maybe I can make it faster. Maybe I can make it better. Whatever. Innovation. But be, innovation, exactly. Whenever the market, I'm competing on a level playing field, and I'm, I don't have this safety net of, of a subsidy... It forces hey, it. Hey, I need to, to make it cheaper. I need to make it better. I need to do something because if I don't, my, my competition is going to kill me. Yeah. But whenever you have this safety net, it's like, eh, it doesn't matter if I do plant corn, you know, better. I'm still going to sell it for $4 a bushel or $7 a bushel, whatever it is. So because of the lack of incentivization and the, and the more importantly, I guess, the, the safety net that I keep referring to of subsidies, it doesn't spark it. Now, I'm not saying that farmers aren't intrinsically motivated and they're not looking for different ways. And I'm sure we have made advancements. Oh, yeah. But the facts are, and I, and I would be hard-pressed, and I would stick my ground on this, and because of the subsidies, we're not nearly as where we could be. 100%. No, no, that makes sense because you're not, uh, the incentive, you don't have the, I guess, fallback cost. Oh, Jared's open in a second. I'm almost there. Um that's a good point. I like that you kind of finished up with that. I have a couple of pros and cons because we kind of have been hammering a lot of the cons, I think, so far. We haven't really talked about some of the good stuff about subsidies. Okay. So let's run through those real quick. Um, something that hits home for me, and, and I'm sure you're probably going to somewhat agree with this, it's interesting to be, we, we are the breadbasket of the West. Like we're considered, you know, we're a country that produces a lot of, a lot of agricultural exports. And it would be very interesting if, um, and, and what the pro is, is that subsidies essentially protect the nation's food supply. And if we go as a country and say, you know what, we're not going to do subsidies anymore. And I, I think as Americans, we would still be extremely competitive on the world stage because we are, we do have a very good resource intense country that we could still produce at a, at a competitive edge. But it does give that opportunity to say, you know what, Brazil, you can produce all of our cotton now. Hey, uh, maybe North Africa, you guys can produce all of our wheat for us. And hey, China, we want to get all of our rice from you. And now all of a sudden, we don't actually make any food here. It puts us in a very compromised position. Yeah. And so we'll talk about that and see if that makes any sense. So that's my one pro. Yeah, national security. National security, right? Yeah. So making your own food is a big deal. Next one. Um, farms are susceptible to pathogen, pathogens, diseases, and weather. So giving them a fail-safe helps kind of incentivize new farmers and new growth possibly mm-hmm. because with all of those things, it sounds scary. Like becoming a farmer, I don't think me and you would even say, man, I'm ready to take on that beast. Hell no. Especially knowing that one year I could have a great year. The next year, a tornado could wipe off my entire field. No fault. Scary. Right. Um, another uh, pro for subsidies. Um, 
it helps with uh, the commodity price changes. So other markets, from my understanding, I was listening to something about, um, I think, actually, we were talking about the uh, economic uh, economist. Um, what's his name? From the 70s and 60s? Um, Milton Milton Freeman. Yeah, yeah, Milton Freeman. I was, yeah. Yeah, I was just brought a blank. Yeah, great, great example is, is um, unfortunately, some countries kind of manipulate their currency. Right now, we're dealing with China doing this a little bit. And so when they do that, they're able to kind of purchase our goods at a lower price point, and it can affect our farmers. And that's an interesting conversation to have is that subsidies may protect farmers from outside countries, not so good business practices, you know, not so good country practices uh, of manipulation of currency, which is interesting. Um, what's the other last one? Oh, loans. Uh, I guess a lot of farmers rely on loans every year. Mm-hmm. So subsidies are kind of one way to make sure that those loans get paid back. Uh, I'm hit or miss. Is that a pro? Is that a con? But kind of interesting. Um, that's what I had for some pros. I wanted to make sure we hit on those because I know we were just kind of hammering some of the bad stuff. I don't know if you had any other good ones that you came across. No, uh, honestly, the national security was probably the biggest the biggest sticking point. I, I understand, you know, currency manipulation. I can get that. And, yeah. I mean, uh, I know it's, uh, I think it hit, what, Nissan or Volvo? I mean, it decimated them, or decimated them, rather, earlier on, whenever the uh, the euro was tanking. But anyways. Um, Volvo. I think it's Volvo. Now that I think Nissan's in but, China. Yeah, yeah, it was the euro. Anyways, yeah. I, I'm getting off topic here. But yeah, national security was probably my biggest pro. And honestly, the only one that I really couldn't get past. Everything else, as far as, you know, a tornado, you know, wiping out their fields. Well, that's where diversification can come into play. Maybe say like you own land in, in varying states and stuff like that. That's what I'm saying where the lack of innovation yeah. be, because they do have that fail safe. So uh, the, the natural disasters, by no means am I saying, oh man, I hope all the cornfields. No, duh. But what I am saying is they are not... They're not needed to really diversify. They don't really care. It's an interesting one because if if, if you said that about like a mom and pop, uh, let's say furniture store in Houston, mm-hmm. do hurricanes ever hit them? Yeah. Okay. So should we be subsidizing them just in case for that? Where does the line stop? Exactly. Yeah. And so that's an interesting argument to say it's a pro. And I think it always comes back to that first one, national security. Yeah. That, that was the only one that I was like, yeah, that's irrefutable. I can't think of a logical – because – the, the two things, you, uh, I guess three things, you know, food, water, shelter, right? Basic yeah. human needs. If, if for whatever reason you are dependent on any other state. Yeah. And I would say shelter, we could probably say is energy. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Warmth, I guess. Yes, exactly. So like yeah. sh- energy is one thing that right now is in the news. That's yeah. why I kind of am throwing it out there because energy is kind of a weird thing. That's not part of the three, but shelter, I would say you need energy to have shelter. Okay. Um, yeah, fair enough. But, but at the, at its very basics, food and water. Yeah. Okay. And if you're dependent on like, like yeah. your livelihood, your, your very survival, what is the price? Yeah. It what, becomes, what is the price? Because it, I, <laughs> are you in another country at one point? Exactly. You might. Exactly. You don't even, you're not even really tra- truly sovereign then. Yeah. You can, so. Okay. So um, opinions, man. So, uh, what do you think about during researching all of this? What, what was your kind of like, I, I didn't know much about farm subsidies to be honest. Um, oh, I knew very little. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> You know, it's one of those things, man, where I think it had the best of intent, but I also think it's a little dated. It, just just raw opinion, yeah. initial thoughts after all my research, I really couldn't get there from, from any, and especially just because I saw the sheer amount, $20 billion. I know. I know. It's a lot of money. And I know that we, we change it often, which is interesting. It's actually one of the things that doesn't like stay very consistent. It looks like we have farm bills passed like every five to 10 years mm-hmm. and they kind of change 
rules to kind of modernize some of the stuff. Um, I don't think we're like incentivizing land non-use anymore. You know, things like that. Like we're saying, okay, now I think right now we're essentially paying based on production. So if you produce X amount, I think to your point, you get X amount of money, which unfortunately causes a, an excess supply, which we've already kind of went through. I don't know where I sit exactly on this. At first, I kind of went in with it saying, ah, subsidies, it seems like we're trying to manipulate the entire market, which is, that's what it is, like market manipulation yeah. us, right? Would yeah. you not call it that? I, yeah. Right? <laughs> I agree. And so the U.S. government is manipulating the market. <clears throat> Here's one thing that I was really interested in, and I wanted your take on it. We've talked about health a lot in a lot of episodes, and we've talked about the cost of food and things like that. Yeah, I'm one, yeah, I'm wondering all the items on this list. You know, I listed them off, of course: wheat, corn, corn milk, rice, peanuts, sugar, tobacco, oil seeds, soybeans. All of those things are derivatives of almost all all processed foods. Yeah, 100%. What do you think the coincidence there is that processed food manufacturers say, hey, man, I can get a smoking deal on corn. I can get a smoking deal on soybeans. I'm going to make it into something that's a little sexier. I'm going to make a Pop-Tart. I'm mm. going to make a cornflake. Sugar fit, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to add a little sugar, a little corn, a little soybean. I got my oil in there. Um, and now all of a sudden I have these derivatives. Do you think that we would even have a processed food market without subsidies in the farm world? Man, that's really deep, profound. Huh? Yeah. I was thinking maybe we would have an entirely different America without farm because, subsidies. Because think about, you know, the roots of, let's just say cornflakes. I mean, obviously corn Bingo. always traditionally has been Frost wildly flakes. cheap. Sugar, wildly cheap because the farmers get, get subsidized appropriately. Um, so therefore they took cheap ingredients and they figured out how to mass produce them. Make them sexy. As I said, yeah, make them sexy them up. Yeah. yeah. Market it up nice. And then they can charge for it and they have a good margin. So, so the question is, do you think these types of products, these processed, these highly processed foods would exist without subsidies? Man, that, that's really profound because the ingredients were always so cheap. And they are always in excess supply because of the subsidies. They're like throwing them out. And these guys are like, hey, I, there's a whole pile of corn over here. I can do... I mean, hell, my cost of goods is zero, nothing. Yeah. Literally. It's all all profit. And some of these companies, you know, they just kind of started up and they were like, man, maybe we have a cheap product that we can make. How do we figure out how to make it look good, taste good, add some salt maybe? What's well, wild what, what corn's in as a filler? Everything. I mean, literally everything. Well, corn, wheat, and sugar. Oh, oh, soybean. Those four items, I bet you, I'm going to say it conservatively, 70%. I, I was, I, whatever number you were going to say, I think you're going low. 70% <laughs> of grocery store items have one of those four and maybe more than four, more than one of those. No, I, think, I think you're way low on 70, man. Okay. I, I, was, I was closer to 80, 85. I mean, corn alone has got to be 50. Well, soybean, it's a weird one. It's a weird undercover agent in a lot of stuff. Yeah. So imagine America, without, without farm subsidies, would we have people that are maybe a little bit more apt to, if you have a local farmer that's just like, hey, I can make more money making bananas. Okay. What do so, you know about that? So I, I like it, but also one, one small thing that I do like about so the national security piece irrevocable. Got yeah, that. we'll get to talk about that a little bit because I wanted to dive into it a little bit more. But but one other thing that I do like about the subsidies aspect 
is the incentivization. While in my opinion, right now it's not the right, it's the most, it's not the most optimal um, right. incentivization program. However, because of the security, it does attract a certain breed of people. Because I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I know we had an FFA in high school, but I don't know of anyone that was in it. First of all, or B, I was in it. I was in FFA. You, you didn't know this? Are you screwing with me? No. Oh, so yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I took two classes, and I have to sign up for it. So, I, yeah, I participated in a bunch of FFA programs. Dude, I am a Future Farmer of America, so, buddy. Clearly, I did know something. They actually right. don't go by Future Farmers of America anymore. It's just FFA. Oh. Shout well, out to FFA, guys. What does FFA stand for? No, nothing. They got rid of the kind of, because I guess it has a bad connotation, Future Farmers of America, because we do a lot more than just farming in FFA. Hmm. Yeah. Didn't know that. So, future engineers. Anyways, well, my, my talk track's just kind of blown up. So I'm if sorry, you just dude. take it from here. I, all my thing was is I, I like the safety net that it provides. to what, That way it's an attractive career field. Because, I mean, we need them. We need farmers. I know. I know. It, it is a critical... Like, I love, like, over the last two years, we've talked about... What, what do we call them? Frontline? Or hmm. what was the... Essential? Mission essential, right? Yeah. No, not mission essential. Just um, essential. Yeah, essential I'm thinking of military. <laughs> I don't know if a waiter is an essential worker compared to a farmer. Hell no. I don't know if a grocery store clerk is an essential worker as a farmer is. No. Like, I get it. It is essential at a certain I point. would argue, say, farmers and truckers are probably the two most essential to uh, yes. America. Yes, farmer and the infrastructure to get their yeah, items. Transportation infrastructure Bingo. and farming. 100%. Those two career then, fields. Probably construction at some point, too. Because, oh my gosh, you imagine not being able to build anything? Dude, that'd be a bitch of a podcast i don't know if we'd ever be able to stack hands on it as far as you know What's rank one? rank oh, yeah. top three we should do it i would we'll do say well, first responders got to be out there no they need to eat they need a road right you see how this works right you need you you can't do your job if you don't have a truck that gets built kind of weird yeah um anyways uh well th- then we can take it that granular like oh what about the mine that actually got out the uh, the ore to create the truck miners might yeah. be more essential yeah yeah, no, it, it, that could be yeah that'd be a hellacious one honestly <laughs> what about moms moms we wouldn't have people <laughs> what about adam and eve you know <laughs> the sex industry yeah um no so we were talking about how farms are essential job and you were saying that this helps kind of make it more attractive mm-hmm because of the floor saying, hey, guys, you're not going to get rich, but you're never going to go broke. It, it kind of lowers you know I mean? the it, barrier of entry a little bit to say, hey, it's not it's not like you're going to be a, a millionaire overnight. Nope. There's potential. But, but you're never going to go hungry. Yeah. Because that government tit is always filled. It is good. But I'm going to push back here a little bit. Let's hear it. In, in capitalism, in market-based economies... You shouldn't have that issue. And I'm sorry to tell you, but food is one of those things that's always going to be needed. And so there's ne- there should never be a lack of farmers if the price is not controlled. Right? Just like there should never be a lack of homes if the price of rent is not c- controlled. Right? We kind of talked about that in one podcast. So as long as we're not controlling the price that is sold for the item, we should never have a lack of farmers. Hmm. Right? You see what I'm saying? No, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. It, I want my stance to be. However, I am also just trying to rationalize and justify, if you will. Okay, okay. The subsidy. In, in my world, if I'm king for a day. Gone. To hell with all price controls, honestly. Mm-hmm. Oh, including subsidies, of course. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, I like where you're going because I do like the padded idea, but I wonder if there's just a better incentive there where like a state can incentivize you. Hey, move to you know Kansas and we're going to give you... A, 
$50,000 to start and, your farm. And 100 acres, yeah. Exactly. Like, states already do that. I think Oklahoma Alaska has, does it. Yeah, I think there's already states that do that. Like, there's incentives that can be done, but I don't know if it should be, like, how the federal government does it. Like, blank check, make as much corn as you want. And the problem is, to my point, the items that are incentivized, not exactly the best items. So what do you think about that though? Uh, we never got to the point. Do you think Dude, it's uh, fat I, I, I've been, America? I've been trying to t- trying to delay it and and trying to think of something better than wow, Cody, that was, that was a really good point. I agree. Cause I, I I mean I can't even really add to it. I mean that's that's like I said, it's a very profound point. It's you just said it, so it's fine, man. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Cody, you're so smart. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's a good one, right? Yeah. Um, it would I to answer your question, man? No, there wouldn't. Of, I think America of, would be different. Of course not. There wouldn't be as many processed foods because it wouldn't be as readily available. I know. And I think we might have, like a grocery store would be, so here's my only thing that honestly ticks me off because I even like kind of went through this rabbit hole. Yep. <sighs> Meat. The number one feed for meat is subsidized. Corn. So that means that meat Chicken, lamb, all my favorite meats pretty much, right, are all subsidized. And that means that there wouldn't be as much meat. Or meat would be much more at a higher price point Mm. because it's subsidized. So it's kind of a weird thing. We're subsidizing wheat, but we're also subsidizing the byproducts of wheat or, or corn, which is also meat. So we would have less meat production or higher costing meat. Again, I'm a meat eater, guys. I think most of our listeners are probably meat eaters. I already think steaks are kind of expensive. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And so I'm essentially saying, well, maybe they should be more expensive or we should have less of it. And I don't I don't believe in that, of course. Um, but but for my kind of clause to make sense is, yes, we should have less uh, frosted flakes, <laughs> less uh, oats, less whatever it is. But that would also result in less meat as well in our diet. Or, or at least at a cost. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. I, 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 I mean, that. it's one of those things where there are going to be certain people that take advantage of it for, for good and, and for evil, for lack of a better term. Of course, evil, yeah. I'm using as a strong word for, you know, the Rice Krispie treats the world versus, you know, feeding your cows. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because the grass-fed thing is kind of getting a little bit of a trend. Oh, dude, it's... Right? Yeah, we both grass, like it. Grass-fed, grass-finished. Yeah. yeah. And, we, and we're going to talk about that actually in an episode. I think we're going to talk about meats and all that. But... Um, it's interesting because that would actually those those meats are not not crazy different in cost, right? We just purchased a, a lot of it about last year, and it's not like we were paying an absurd difference in per pound, right? We were probably paying about a dollar more per pound, yeah, right, ish, yeah, yeah. And so it wasn't like worked absurd. Out about you know eight percent increase in in price per pound, yeah. So it's not like it's like a a, a, a huge difference um, with grain fed uh, beef and grass Grass-fed. fed, yeah. Um, so the one thing that we haven't talked on yet, and I want, I well, also what we haven't done is rate the beer. Oh, holy smokes, buddy. Dude. Halfway done. Yeah, we got, we got into it a little bit. Yeah, let's get it. So let's press pause. Unless you were on the tip of your tongue. No, no, go for it. So, uh, anyways, like Cody introduced this, uh, this is the Cali squeeze, uh, the blood orange Hefeweizen. Yeah, brewed in uh, California, it looks like. Dude, we, we freaking a- awesome wave that's kind of in the, taking the shape of an orange, but the water is the hops. Yeah. Which it's, is it's badass, yeah. And then the middle of the wave is an orange slice. Yeah. Um, awesome can. Very neat design. So shout out to the artist that did that, uh, or maybe even the owner. And actually what's pretty cool, if you look at the top of it, it says fruits with benefits. So this is, in my opinion, a healthy beer. 
fruits with benefits. I kind of I, I like the little like pun on that. We're almost two beers in. I would say we got two servings of fruit. Oh, look at that. I didn't know who it was brewed by. It was actually brewed by Firestone Walker Brewing Co., which we've had one of their beers in the past. Oh, yeah. So shout out to Firestone, guys. Uh, 5.4 uh, alcohol per volume. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go with a... Uh, this is a hard pat. Like, it's good. It, it's... Um, Dude, what's crazy? I usually don't like halves. Me neither. And this is a fantastic beer. Like, it's so easy to drink. Like, it kind of tastes like a, a good, like, non-alcoholic beverage. Um, yeah, I would. I'm gonna go with a four zero on this. Hard four yeah. zero. I, I think. I think you're right in line. Um, man, I don't. I don't like to do this often, but I, I think I just kind of. I'm okay with four zero. Right. I, I think this is a solid beer. I don't like hefts. Whenever you brought over this pack, this six pack, I was like, damn it! Like me neither. I, I thought it was gonna be like a chocolate jalapeno porter that you do, and I was just gonna have to suck it down. But this is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Shout out to you guys. You guys had a good brew here. Um, if you guys have this uh, Cali Squeeze in your market. Find it. Drink it. Yep. And uh, enjoy it with a buddy. So, and I was going to ask you. So, Nation's Food Supply. Is it worth $20 billion of subsidies to make sure that we are producing our own food in the case of economic sanctions, um, possible war with another country that's producing food that we like if if for example let's just give you an example here to uh-huh. see how extreme we can go i don't even know if this is an extreme example but let's say that's true my my kind of idea here that the subsidies are causing us to have all these uh manufactured or processed foods yep. we get rid of that and and the beef industry collapses in the u.s because no one can pay twenty dollars a pound for beef yep. that's absurd nope. you know say but let's just say that's so the extreme example so now we're importing all of our beef, which is fine, from huh. Japan and Brazil and Germany or yeah, whatever. We can make it work. Well, let's just say 90% of that's coming from Brazil, right? Maybe I don't know if that's true or not, but 90% of our beef comes from now Brazil. And for whatever reason, us and Brazil getting a little bit of a tizzy. Yep. We don't like each other so much. Brazil says, hey, guys, um, we're going to charge you twice as much now for your beef. Now, at a certain point... We start producing beef again because it comes, you know, that's how you know, the yeah, trade would work. Yeah, you can just shit out cows. I mean, that's an overnight thing. That's not years in the process. So here we go. This is yeah. the problem. Cows are exactly, they're probably like a five-year ramp up to start producing beef. Minimum. So that's At the position. That that's the, yeah, that's the position that we're now put into. Is that feel okay? I love asking the hard questions. They're way easier than answering them, right? Oh, yeah. So... I, I figured this is where you're going to go down. So here's what I'm going to say. Um, so in your scenario, we're no longer producing beef, corn, et cetera. Like we're purely taking in imports. We are no longer exporting. Yeah, we're a service-based economy as a lot of people like to say. We, yep. we're, we're lawyers, doctors, yep. attorneys. Yep. We are dependent on the Brazils, the Japans, et cetera, for, for all of our rice, all of our beef, et cetera. Real quick correction there, guys. I said lawyers and attorneys are the same. I meant accountants yeah cpas tax guys yeah yeah i meant those guys <laughs> you know doctors mds dentists <laughs> just um, like repeating the same thing exactly. like three times yeah. <laughs> um, anyways man. we're importing so, all yeah of those so foods. we're importing all of it. so i gotta ask you for all intents and purposes let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars to your name uh-huh. right that's that's all you have here we go i like this yep uh your daughter lillian you you, you love her right mm-hmm. you do anything for her, probably give your life for her, right? Yeah. Let's say in order for her, let's say she's starving, dying of thirst, dying of hunger, right? 
and all of a sudden Japan or Brazil in this case, hey, uh, sorry, this this um, this steak is going to cost one hundred one thousand dollars. You're going to figure out a way to get that under other thousand dollars to give Lillian that steak, right, or, or that meal. That's weird. Oh, this, I was, is, this is an extreme example. I get yeah. it, but you're going to literally every dollar you have, and you're going to find a way to come up with an extra one percent. Yeah, that's weird. I was actually you you were very, very extreme. I was thinking I would just probably buy a couple cows and start raising them. Okay, okay, but we already said this is a five year thing. You're you're hungry now. Y- yeah, you're I, not hungry five years from now. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I guess I would find a short term solution, but I would probably start saying, you know what? I guess I should probably have some cows. But, but and start selling it, them. It's no secret that the the U.S. You know, our allies they have to like us essentially. It's like, oh damn it. They're like, it's like that older successful brother. It's like, yeah, I love him, but he's kind of an asshole because yeah. we're the U.S. Yeah. Can you imagine if all the the main because we're probably only talking that you know five or six countries that could actually support us from yeah. an Meet you know export food. standpoint from their part. And let's say all they said, hey, the U.S., the, we kind of got them by the balls on this one, boys. Let's all team up. I, and I, they just extort the hell out of us. I, yeah. Again, this is, this is a weird scenario. But yeah. right now, we would be completely screwed with all the attorneys and lawyers, you know, <laughs> in the service-based industry. Agreed. So I, to answer your question, it's worth $20 billion. Okay, so you think... For $200 billion, because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a security standpoint. Man. So you think that the subsidy program is probably just in that, let alone, that's the foot that it can stand on? Yes. Is that, hey, it gives us peace of mind. Yeah, it gives us peace of mind, but it also gives us leverage. Yeah, from an, uh, an expo- export import. Yeah. Interesting, this took a twist, because I didn't know you were going to go down this. Oh, yeah, I... I all in, man, don't get me wrong, I hate price controls, but whenever it has to do, like, With food, food is a non-negotiable, man. This is not a nicety. Essentials. This is a necessity. So, therefore, you have to invest. It's very similar to why the hell do we spend, what is it, like, six times more than the top ten countries on our DOD? Well, be, because that way, whenever someone does F with us, they're not going to F with us for long, right? Yeah, it's kind of like... Um Maybe give a little bit of an it's an insurance. It's an insurance. Yeah, it is. It's and an that's insurance what, policy. That's what I was going to say right now. Is like you know we all we, bitch about having to pay our six month premiums. Insurance yeah. policy. I was going to say our house right now. Everyone, you know, you're in a house right now. If you're listening, and you're probably paying a homeowner's insurance premium, and and you may even have flood insurance on there, and you don't even know if it floods in your market. And the reason is, you just don't want to have a house that's full of water, and now you're trying to figure out how to buy it and also pay off your last mortgage. Yep. That would be miserable, and so people pay a little bit of insurance, and we do that with our. Unfortunately, military infrastructure, things like that. Yeah. So here, I'm going to push back a little bit. Let's hear it. Um, I, I, I actually was kind of on board. Honestly, that first pro hits me hard, and that's why I listed it, and it sounded yeah. like you liked it because I'm like, man, it's such an essential item. I would never want our farmers to be exported. Like, our farmers are, are the backbone truly of our country. And we're fortunate where we are geography. Where we've, we're in a fortunate spot. You know, we're not in, uh, uh, let's let's say, uh, Mongolia, yeah. where you can't raise anything yeah, near but, the equator, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, well, equator's fine, right? Like, we're not in the in the bad areas where you just can't produce a lot of food, right? We we're in a fantastic market where you know in Arizona we can raise cotton, but in Kansas you can do a bunch of wheat and corn. Yeah. You know, we have a large landmass, um, so we're fortunate with that. So we should, of course, use it to our advantage. Uh, now, here's where I'm going to push back. I'm like, right now, the subsidies seem to be very 
narrow-minded on items that I kind of already outlined that yep. are not good for you. Yep. So, so is so there a solution that maybe we can both feel that is good for across the board, whether you make blueberries, cranberries, corn, or bananas? Mm. I don't care. So your rub is why these eight products. Yeah. Hmm. I get why they're doing eight because they're very calorie-dense items, right? Rice, grain. They, they, they essentially make sure that people don't die from starvation. We don't have a starvation problem in America. We have a from obesity. Our, I'll say from our obesity episode. Yeah, we have, an, the we have the obesity problem of America. So I'm wondering if we're incentivizing obesity and not incentivizing maybe more healthier choices. So I'm wondering how can we maybe – I'm all right with maybe some subsidies, but maybe a little bit more even keel, not so specific. What do you think of there? Man, that's, that's pretty interesting. So kind of opening it up. Hey, if you're a farmer, yes, I want farmers. I want all kinds of farmers. And guess what? If you're a farmer that makes blueberries, you're getting you're going to get a dollar. If you're a farmer that does grain, you're getting a dollar. If you're a farmer that does corn, you're getting a dollar. So you say, hey, you know, not I just don't want to spend twenty billion. I want to spend forty billion. No, I in wanna, subsidies. I want to decrease. Oh, okay. You want to take that same twenty billion dollar pot Bingo. and spread it across all crops. Uh huh. So let's say. Um, I don't Jack. know if I want to do this, but I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but okay. So where do you draw the line? I'm, is it blueberries and cranberries? Or oh no, is it, no, is I want to go jackfruit. Across. Is yes. it everything? Because if you have the right land, you should be producing the best crop for it, right? And I don't care if you're producing. Right now, what they're doing is they're essentially saying, "Hey, what's the crop that I can make the most money between what I can sell it at market price uh -huh. and my subsidy?" Uh -huh. So a lot of farmers are just banking corn because it's the best yield per acre, mm -hmm. plus my subsidy. Yep. And I'm wondering, maybe you can actually sell jackfruit for 10 times market rate of corn, and you still get your dollar subsidy. But And right now, of course, jackfruit's not like that. But there's some probably some products, probably like blueberries or things like that, that are just not profitable, but could be if you got that dollar subsidy. Because right now, if you go to the store, blueberries, raspberries, there's some weird items that are just so expensive. Oh my gosh, like a little thing of blueberries, like six bucks. Exactly. Why is that six bucks, but the, the package of corn is like three, three cents? You see what I'm saying? I'm wondering yeah. if there's like a equilibrium that we're not hitting for, for some crops. Well, as we talked about in the very beginning of this episode, this is a, a, a skewed equilibrium. Yeah. Um, we're not skewing all crop, all crop equilibriums, not just the select. Does it feel like we're making a bigger problem? Or I, I feel, problem? I feel like it, man, because I just don't know where the heck it stops. There, there are endless types of fruits and veggies and, yeah. and grains and stuff like that. So it's where you almost take this twenty billion dollar pot and you almost make it, <clears throat> rather than now the dollar subsidy, and I forget what the actual amount is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Rather than the dollar subsidy to actually make the, the corn profitable. Yeah. Uh, now you took that same dollar because I have to spread it across every freaking seed, nut, berry, vegetable, fruit, etc. Now it's taking that dollar to ten cents. Yeah, but the farmer, right? This is this is how you get you almost get a market, a real market now in the farming industry. So then why not just take away the subsidy? Because we still 
to your point, want to make sure that there's a, a fallback a little bit. And I get it. Maybe the amount is not going to work out. Maybe the $20 billion doesn't actually work. Yeah. But what I'm trying to do is just say, hey, if you're a farmer that's making corn just because that dollar makes it work, but if you could produce another crop, crop that's actually much more profitable right, on your land, but you're only doing it because of the subsidy, well, let's do that. I'm trying to I'm trying to so maximize what, the yield. I was about to say you want to actually take advantage of the space, not yes. not not square peg round hole, but hey, I have this acre with this type of soil with my weather, land, climate. weather, climate, etc. I what is actually is it lemons? Yes. Or is it corn? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now I see what you're trying to say. Yeah, maybe I was a long long route there. I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe I just misinterpreted you. So no. I was trying to optimize each farmer's yield to what crop would be best. And I don't want them just trying to do what they're going to get subsidies for. But, but then I would almost argue if you do that, you might as well just take away the subsidy because that's essentially what you do is you would force. Okay, right. now you force the innovation. Now you force, oh shit, I'm really not that good at growing corn. I was just kind of producing crappy corn, but I was still getting you know fair market value plus my subsidy. Yeah. So You're you can't have the subsidy and then not... Like, you know, force them to like, hey, instead of that corn that you've been making millions of dollars off of, or hundreds of thousands of dollars off of, now you're going to do blueberries. Does uh, the soil that corn grows in and the blueberries grow the corn in, is that the same? You know, there, there's so many different variables, man. Yeah, we're not, I'm, there might be like farm chemist or something. I don't know, there's probably this whole industry of farm engineering. I mean, botanist, right? Yeah. Kind of? Yeah. yeah. Bio, I guess that's like a biology field. I'm just I'm just trying to figure out how do we optimize the the subsidies so they don't cater to because honestly I would never want subsidies just for blueberries I wouldn't just want them for uh, uh, let's say uh, oranges I wouldn't want them just for a specific food group because then all of a sudden you just get like orange juice is not good for people you get a whole bunch of cheap orange juice that people love drinking and having mimosas and shit like that that's not good it's very high sugar content. Right. Yeah. So what happens is, where's fruits are? Yeah. yeah. Whatever you're going to, well, especially when you get rid of all the fiber and you just have orange juice. Yeah. Like juicing uh, fruits, not good for you. Um, <laughs> you. You want to tell on yourself about the pineapple scenario? Oh no, not even close. <laughs> I almost died. <laughs> it, you can overdose from sugar, guys. Hundred <laughs> percent. I was close. Pineapple juice. <laughs> I was. I was so close. <laughs> you need the fiber to equal out your sugar. Um, but to my point here, I'm like. <sighs> I don't know if we should be incentivizing foods to be turned into worse foods. And right now that's where we're getting. How do we, how do we get out of that? And I get that. But I'm also going to use your own point against you on this one. That same foods, that may not be good for you. And, you know, we, we get that. Yes. Was that grass-fed beef that we bought, uh, you know, it was a dollar more a pound. Yeah. Well, there are certain people. You and I are very fortunate monetarily, right? Yeah. There are certain people that they can't afford that extra dollar pound, you yeah. know, for a family of four. So we need the cheap grain, the cheap corn that they feed their cor- their cows with. Yeah, but everything would become a little bit cheaper, right? If grass-fed became now the norm, norm you'd have more innovation. You would see grass-fed corn becoming more, you'd be able to mass market it better. Right now, it's very, it's, it's a, uh, it's a niche product. Yeah. You see what I'm saying or no? Yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. I do. Okay. I'm trying to get there. It's interesting. This is we. I don't know if we've agreed on the last couple. This might be like three or four of them now in a row that we're a little. Again, guys, I don't like it. Th- well, I don't know if I don't like it. This is this is the world that we live in. I think a lot. And this is a lesson, right? For 
so many people that listen and just people that listen to the news. I don't know why everyone has to agree with each other. Like we're, we're, we're like 90% on board with each other. There's like 10% that's not. And I bet you there's some middle ground that we could both seed well, a little bit. I, I think seed. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Pun intended there. Um, well, honestly, I know this is getting a little off topic here, but I would argue that the vast majority of subjects, I think for the most part, the news really focuses on that 10 to yes. really make it seem a little bit more polarizing than it actually is just for clickbait, just for, you know, selling reasons. I get their for-profit institution. They yeah. have shareholders to answer to and respectfully, yeah. but I would say for the majority of these issues, people are 90% there. Well, I love this, and this is a little bit of an aside, guys, but it's so, so relevant because we mentioned that there's about 3% of farms that are, are big million-dollar companies. Yep. Guarantee the big news companies, the big guys that you guys listen to are probably talking about those 3% to put out that evil tyrant face yep. of the farm industry. Say so they, they use Monsanto seeds. They... Uh, put all this bad stuff into your food, you know, pesticides and herbicides and things like that. Meanwhile, 97% of farmers are mom and pop trying to make things work. They don't talk about them. And so to your point, 10% is actually probably like 1% of what yeah. they want to talk about because yeah. those are the bad, evil guys that sound exciting. Isn't that crazy? It's so crazy. And we're talking about the whole time. We're like trying to figure out how these mom and pop places can be successful and use these subsidies. Yeah. We're doing the exact opposite. And I think it's just so relevant to almost every conversation we have. I know. That the news tries to exploit the bad parts to make people get mad at the other side. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's not right. <sighs> so right now we are, you you are 100%, let's just keep the subsidies how they are. Be, be, yeah. That's yeah. where you are. It's one of those things, man, where I, I reluctantly am going to agree with the government intervention and the government manipulation of the supply demand curve. But... Because of the ascension, because yeah. of the the essentialness, the, the the true need, and honestly, I'm scared shitless. Do I ever be dependent on another country? It, it's one thing to be dependent for a want; it's yeah. entirely different. The the extortion that could take place on a global scale Gosh, right. if we ever needed food, water, shelter from another company or another company, another uh, country. Yeah, and it's actually, you guys, this is. Doing a little sides here, but it's so relevant right now. Uh, when this episode pops out, hopefully this has been resolved. Oh, I hope so. The Ukraine-Russia uh, conflict, we could say. Um, right now, a lot of the EU, you know, European countries, are not really being very um, uh, controversial with this. They're not really sta- making statements with it. And the reason why Germany, right, the powerhouse of the EU, France, the UK— Right, Belgium. None of these countries are to really kind of stating their comments of how bad this is. Guess why? They're they, buying I thirty, forty percent of their energy comes from Russia. Yeah. Literally, if they said anything bad, you know, the president Putin's of Russia switch. can turn off their oil supply tomorrow, and all of their houses, half their houses, turn off. They don't get heating. They don't get AC for summer. So they kind of have, they are dependent from an energy, to Jared's point, shelter standpoint. And uh, we've been fortunate enough where we don't have that situation. And I I don't know if we've ever had a food situation, but I'm sure there's plenty of countries that have had food shortages because they haven't made it in their own country. 
I don't know of any personally, but yeah. I, right, we would imagine, right, during war and conflict, like, like things like that, they're like, oh, wait, we don't make enough food here. Um, guys, guys, right now we're bitching about because our furniture that we ordered is taking, you know, 12 weeks instead of 10 or our TVs are taking, you know, three months instead of two to, to order. Imagine if that banana, if that piece of bread, Imagine, oh I mean, we, we only, we, we have the luxury of almost joking about our supply chain issue. Imagine once it's actually food and water, oh the necessities, God. not the niceties. Yeah, I, dude, I, I hate spending $20 billion. Ooh. I can't get off it. I, I think it's on it. You could add another zero and I would still reluctantly agree. I, okay. I don't know if there's a price that I'd be like, ah, okay, now I can justify being completely dependent. Okay, I'm going to add another economic lever here because we do have about I think, five more minutes here, I think. Yeah, five more minutes. Another economic lever that we haven't talked about and I'm not trying to convince you, but I'm just making sure I, I vet out all options. So we use subsidies right now in the U.S. What about a tariff? So this is another lever that the federal government can pull and they can put tariffs onto imports from other countries on food. Yep. And this is actually not taxpayer money. This is actually money goes straight. Oh, so it's actually revenue generated. Exactly. So instead of being a cost to the taxpayer, this is actually a benefit to the taxpayer. And so let's say, you know what? Um, we buy, you know, probably the biggest thing, let's just say corn. You know, we're a big producer of corn. We use a lot of corn here. Right now, let's say corn industry is taking up a lot of that $20 billion uh, in, in taxpayer money. Let's just make sure that any corn corn coming from other countries has a tariff mm -hmm. to match the market price of the current corn in the U.S. Okay. So, so now corn producers in the U.S. know that there's a little bit of a protection, just like a subsidy is, a protection, but it doesn't cost the taxpayer. So the, protection, the protection being, hey, this $2 a bushel that I was giving you for corn now in the form of a tariff, I'm actually going to charge Brazil that $2 a bushel. Uh -huh. Yep. So here's my worry about that. Now, again, are we talking about in this worst case scenario? No, no. I'm, I'm just saying like we change policy tomorrow and we say, hey, guys, let's get rid of farm <laughs> subsidies. And, and how we're going to get rid of it is we're going to protect farmers from outside food producers. If you produce goods in the U.S. that other countries produce, you, the tariff will match your market rate. Yeah, that one I that one I like a lot more than subsidies. I guess the the weariness I have about that is they really can race to zero on us still, depending on what I guess the tariff is. Well, no, um, I, I I'm saying it matches market rate. Oh, so Which, it's a it's a floating floating yeah, tariff almost. Yeah, yeah, like currency. I, I don't know if this is possible, but I'm sure economists have thought. So I guess it would just trade on on futures. Maybe, like, yeah. because these are all commodities. Yeah, and so what we would do is, is it would still trade. In, I think the international market is a commodity market. I think, like, you know, corn is in the international market and things like that. And so what would happen is, is that, unfortunately, hey, even though the market rate for, let's say, a bushel of wheat is $4, okay, great. Uh, U.S. guy, um, don't worry. Even though you're producing it for $2 in the U.S., we're going to match market rate at 2 So anybody importing it has to pay the tariff to match that. So $4 is the entry rate. Hmm. Maybe technically this doesn't work. I don't know. Maybe three beers in. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. So let's say China produces wheat. This, we got to figure out. They, they got to produce it at a lower rate. So China produces wheat 
at a dollar. We produce it at two dollars. Okay, there's a market rate is a dollar fifty. Oh, fifty cent tariff. So we would say at that point, market rate in the U.S. is a dollar fifty. Cool. We produce at two dollars though. Yep. So what we say is, oh, you want to import China corn, you or China wheat? You can do that, but we're going to put a tariff of fifty cents on it. Mm -hmm. And so that means that your wheat now is two dollars. But how do you determine so, how much you produce it at, though, in the U.S.? That might be the problem. Cause yeah, determining market rate would be kind of difficult, I would say. Because you're, you're determining U.S. market rate and then market rate global. And that might be the challenge. Well, Maybe also, we it's one of those things where if I'm China and also I'm like, all right, U.S., if you're going to be that freaking difficult, there's 197 other countries that I can export to that I don't have to pay this bullshit tariff to. And so all of a sudden now we're at a shortage. Well, no, then we just have a bunch of U.S. folks that just produce more stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, but the problem is, is this is not overnight. You know, you just can't shit out corn overnight. You can't just shit out cattle overnight. No, there would probably be some type of, like, lean-in program or, or something like that, I would okay. imagine, right? Where, where we – I think we have the capacity because we're an exporting agricultural uh, right. country. Yeah. So I think we have the capacity to feed America, I think, like, three times, four times over. We don't have a supply problem right now, maybe in some – some items. Some vertical, yeah. Yeah, some items. Like, I don't think we can produce bananas here. So if we can't produce bananas here, there's probably no tariff on bananas. We just don't have the right climate for it. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't have a shortage of, of oranges. Right. Like Florida we, yeah. and Georgia do a great job of doing oranges for us. So we don't have a shortage of that. We're exporting oranges everywhere else. We're exporting corn everywhere else. I'm just wondering if a tariff is a... A stop it. Maybe we just don't know enough about how man, tariffs work. I, I would say, man, I'm just really apprehensive to really speak to it because, yeah, in a way, the, in, it my, sounds in, my, in my simpleton head, yeah, well, the tariff is essentially just implementing the same policy without using my money. Yeah, it's in it's, my money being the the taxpayer money. It's costing the farmer in China the taxpayer money that we would have paid. Hopefully. I'm using China as an example here, guys. Um, I'm sure they don't produce. Yeah, man. Corn, I really, uh, man. I wish I was a little bit more uh, well versed. read, well versed on. on I brought tariffs. that up last minute, just as a yeah, a little a little Hill Mary stump me, man. I appreciate. It. I guess I wasn't in the right defense on that one. So, nope. hey. so um, again, guys, I think we're gonna close this puppy up. Yeah. Um, we're not on the exact same page, uh, but hopefully, what you learn from this is farm subsidies. You know, a lot of people talk a lot of bad about them. <laughs> A lot of people talk maybe some good about them if you're maybe a farmer. Yeah, definitely. Uh, which side of the fence exactly. You're on. There's a lot of different sides. There are unintended consequences on both sides of the subsidy, right? Oh, oh, always, always with every decision. Exactly. And so right now, you know, we're producing food that maybe is not the best for you. And now again, the cool thing with markets is that the consumer can actually tell you can determine what you want. So again, this is in your this is in your yard to determine what kind of food you want to buy. Do you want to buy the processed food that maybe not so good for you and contribute to less years on your life? Or do you want to buy maybe a head of lettuce? Yep. So uh, where do they follow us from, Jared? Uh, yeah, so we're at Six Pack Discussions there on Instagram. Um, actually, speaking of Instagram, we are actually going to be talking about, uh, it's not next episode, but I think in the next two, uh, due to an Instagram comment by a new listener, we're actually going to be discussing capital punishments. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah. So again, you know, just, uh, we, we really enjoy interacting with our listeners and, uh, we're, we're, we're making it happen and we're adjusting our episodes depending on what you want to hear. So please give us a follow. And of course, you know, Hey, give us the pros, give us the cons. And, and of course, you know, we're always up for different subjects that, uh, you know, Cody and I can, can further discuss. See you guys.